Welcome back into another edition of the KPRC Channel 2 on Second Thought Podcast. Adam Wexler here with you as always. Time for a little NBA chatter in advance of free agency. Not only does it begin on July 1st, a couple days prior to that, LeBron James, one of many players that has to make a definitive decision on whether to opt in or not to a contract the 29th of June for LeBron. He has to have that conversation with the Cavaliers opting in or not. If he opts in, he's a contract player belonging to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He'll have one year remaining on that deal. That obviously would be an indicator of what's likely to happen with LeBron James in the future. To be quite simple with that, if he opts into his deal, then he's not going to be a Cleveland Cavalier, at least in my opinion. What he's trying to tell the Cavs is, I don't want to be here. I'm trying to orchestrate a deal elsewhere. I'm committing to this one season so that I can then work my future the way I decide. That's what Chris Paul did a season ago. Almost the exact same thing Chris Paul uh, did to get out of L.A. while still giving L.A. the opportunity to get something for him. Obviously, it cost him a little money on that side the initial season. It'll pay off dearly, handsomely, for Chris Paul now on the other side of that decision as he enters free agency. Again, everything still points to exactly what we've said from the first day that deal was made a year ago. Chris Paul is going to play for one season on his old contract for the Rockets, knowing full well they're going to agree to a lucrative multi-year max, potentially super max deal of Chris Paul to remain a Rocket. Nothing, in my opinion, has changed on that front So comparing it to LeBron's situation this season, the alternative would be opting out. That really wouldn't close the door on anything. It would make it difficult for a team with limited space to just flat-out sign LeBron James, which is essentially what they would have to do by opting out. He would be making himself a free agent, opening the door to go anywhere or even to stay on another deal with the Cavs. Opting out could give him the opportunity to sign another deal with Cleveland, probably a similar one to the ones he's signed recently, maybe a two-year deal where the second year is a player option. Again, always leaving that possibility open that Cleveland's not really the long-term place for him, but maybe he's willing to give it another season, another two seasons, seeing what they might be able to do. Maybe instead of going elsewhere and finding a way to add a star, he could just bring them to Cleveland. Uh, The opportunities elsewhere, certainly uh, they've been out there. The idea that uh, the L.A. Lakers is where he might be headed, uh, I've said from the beginning, uh, I don't think that is outlandish to believe that LeBron wants to play in L.A. I totally believe the idea that at least one other player of note could land there with him, most prominently Paul George, uh, the latest from the Spurs on draft night about Kawhi Leonard. Typical statement from management. Uh, we'd like to do everything we can to, to keep Kawhi here. Uh, he's a big part of our family. His family is important to us. We all heard about the reports of Greg Popovich talking with him, finally sitting down with him and and trying to see where they're at and see if they can continue to work that relationship. One more year remains on Kawhi Leonard's deal again. So if he can't play for the San Antonio Spurs, well, we'll see if they decide they have to trade him. And a team looking to get him, well, they're going to want a long-term commitment. And if he's not willing to give that, there's not a whole lot of reason to believe the Spurs are going to move him at this point in time unless it just happens to be to a team he wants to go to, like the L.A. Lakers, potentially the L.A. Clippers. But again, from a Spurs standpoint, that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense for them unless they're getting such a good return that they could see their way clear to 
enhancing a rival and putting themselves potentially in a worse situation, at least initially, because neither of those teams has the opportunity to offer them something that would immediately help a team led by LaMarcus Aldridge uh, to the upper tier of the Western Conference. The Rockets will be in the upper tier in 2018-2019. The Warriors will be the upper tier in 2018-2019. Where's three, four, five, six, and beyond fall? That's obviously what all these Western Conference teams are trying to figure out. But let's roll out some of our guests uh, for the podcast here. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity to hear from Rockets General Manager Daryl Morey speaking on the two picks the Rockets made in the 2018 draft. They went into the draft with one selection at 46, which they kept and used on DeAnthony Melton, guard from USC. His numbers from the 2017-2018 season were equal to mine. There weren't any. He didn't play his sophomore season at USC due to an investigation involving, involving a bribery case uh, when it was determined he would be suspended for the entire season. Uh, once the calendar flipped, he decided to uh, make his way into flipping the switch to draft preparation. And that's what he concentrated on, went on workouts all across the league, including with the Houston Rockets, and he was their pick at 46. I'll get into some of my thoughts on uh, Melton uh, and on their other selection, Vincent Edwards, a player that was picked at number 52, essentially for the Rockets by the Jazz. Uh, The Rockets acquired that selection on draft night simply through purchase. They purchased that pick uh, from the Jazz, so that's all that goes to the Jazz for Edwards. Money, another situation where Daryl Morey is working for an owner willing to spend money on draft night to acquire uh, picks, talent, future uh, um, assets, uh, just like Leslie Alexander did almost every single draft. Uh, that opportunity afforded Maury, and he noted that when he met with the media after the draft on Thursday night that uh, ownership was uh, thumbs up on letting him uh, orchestrate his draft in that manner. But uh, my thoughts on Vincent Edwards, Andy Anthony Melton, on the other side of hearing from Daryl Maury, also on the other side of uh, our conversation or hearing from uh, the Rockets general manager. Going to talk with Jeff Van Gundy, who was in Houston and in Houston, working with Team USA, the qualifying roster, a group of mainly 25, 26, 27-year-old G League players, a lot of whom have uh, NBA experience, but they're working to qualify the team uh, for the upcoming games, and he is the coach of that team. So I had a chance to talk to him a little bit about that. What you're going to hear from are his thoughts on the NBA offseason, the Rockets coming very close to winning a title, his admiration for their pursuit of said title, And then a similar conversation, albeit brief, here for you podcasters, uh, that I had with Kelvin Sampson earlier this week, University of Houston head coach, uh, getting set for another season here in Houston while his name was surfacing in NBA coaching rumors this offseason with Orlando. He remains with the University of Houston as during this upcoming 2018-2019 season, the U of H Cougars will be playing in a new building, not at the onset of the season, but the Fertitta Center will be finished during the season, and they'll be able to move in their brand-new home, revitalizing, certainly, and renovating Hoffine's Pavilion. But let's get started with uh, some of our guests. Daryl Morey first up. The Rockets making their two selections on Thursday night's draft. Here's what Daryl Morey had to say uh, about the two selections and even more so on Melton about some of his thoughts on his background and the reasoning behind him missing the season and obviously what that meant to the Rockets as they made those two selections. Obviously where our team is at, uh, we're looking for guys that uh, have a combination of, um, if possible, both both upside 
uh, and uh, guys who we feel like can uh, contribute in not too long. Obviously, our team's a little tough to contribute to given uh, the number of wins last year, but uh, we've, we feel like uh, both these guys are uh, not too far from potentially contributing for us. Melton has uh, extremely high defensive potential. Um, uh, we feel like he's a guy who can fit into, you know, people know obviously we're, uh, uh, we're a team that likes to switch. Um, uh, he's someone who uh, is very impactful uh, defensively. Um, offensive game, he can really pass the ball. Um, you know, his shot is something that uh, improved uh, during his one season at USC. Um, and we feel like it's something that, um, you know, will definitely uh, be solid in the future. So uh, we're looking at him as a, as a two-way guy. Um, and, you know, we had him rated as one of the one of the top guys in the draft, so pretty excited there. Obviously, I had him in the work in for the workout, um, but yeah, you'd rather have a guy play <laughs> than not play. Um, he he was uh, yeah, he's a guy that if he had played, we feel pretty comfortable he'd be a top twenty pick. So that's that's why we're really really happy to get him there. I think he was a little out of sight, out of mind, um, and. Um, yeah, so I think that that played into our advantage that he was still available. Did anything about his not playing last year, the reasons behind it? Did you need any reason to go look into that, get some more information? Yeah, well, obviously we have to do our homework and look into everything. That was something we were extremely comfortable with as not an issue. Uh, if people want to look it up and see what happened, they'd, 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 I think it was unfortunate that he wasn't able to play this year at USC. Uh, Vincent Edwards, uh, obviously four-year guy one we've had a lot of success with with guys who have uh, you know had longer careers in college um, somehow overlooked and an extremely good Purdue team obviously uh, people saw them in the in the tournament and um, so he he sort of can do it all he can he can defend multiple positions really definitely really fits um, again our style of play can shoot can handle one thing unique about him is he can handle the ball and pass at his size um, uh, and uh, obviously he's uh, already an accomplished shooter so uh, being a four-year guy at Purdue obviously he's maybe got a quicker path to getting on the floor we were really targeting Vincent uh, we were you know we we were very happy that if he had been at 46 we, we thought he was an extremely good player so Vincent Edwards, a four-year player for Purdue, uh, someone, according to Maury, again, his words, a, a guy who can kind of do it all. And, well, based on what Vincent Edwards did at Purdue, that would seem to be accurate. Uh, a player about 6'8", 220, 225, uh, capable of playing inside and out, uh, capable of handling the ball, um, doing things kind of in a, a similar fashion uh, to wings that the Rockets have. Uh, probably not quite a creator, but a combination of things that P.J. Tucker can do, things that Trevor Ariza can do. Obviously, Ariza is a free agent. Um, Edwards had some of his best moments both this past season and in previous seasons in tournament play this past season, just in the postseason uh, for Purdue. Had six uh, double-doubles in Big Ten Conference playoff game or Big Ten tournament games and then obviously the NCAA tournament eight career NCAA tournament games for Edwards going 17 points eight boards and nearly three assists a game shooting 53 percent in those games I think what a lot of people are 
uh, hoping is he can bring a three-point shooting touch. For the Rockets to say that a player does everything and a little bit of everything and certain things well, well, shooting would have to fit, especially for a player of his size who probably won't play with his back to the basket. I would say probably. Let's change that to definitively. But what they'll need him to do is shoot the basketball. Um, he might be ready to contribute a little bit sooner, just like uh, Daryl said. Uh, four seasons, like I said, at Purdue, uh, the last three seasons on average combined just a shade over 40%, obviously, at the college three-point line, and took plenty of them. So it's a, a fairly credible statistic, over 443s uh, during his career at Purdue and over all those numbers for his four seasons at 39.2%. Again, at the college line, which essentially is a shot he'll never take with the Houston Rockets. That's a mid-range jumper. you got to hop back a couple of feet, and in the Rockets' case for some players, hop back five to eight feet like Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson did with regularity this past season. But a lot to like about that pick, uh, a, a lot of reasoning behind it. It's very easy to see, uh, again, in the second round. Kind of interestingly, uh, looking at some of the notes uh, from Purdue, four times in the Matt Painter era, uh, a player has been drafted and ended up in some form or fashion with Houston. They have seven players drafted in the Painter era, four of them have ended up at one point or another in a Rockets uniform or involved in a deal uh, to put them in a Rockets uniform. As Daryl works his trade, sometimes those players are in and out of Houston so fast they don't even put that jersey on. And then on Melton, a player that uh, some other experts and draft gurus uh, likened a little bit to Pat Beverly, someone whose defense is probably further ahead of their offense. He's also now played a full seat or also missed a full season of development, not playing any college basketball this past year. Uh, he played as a freshman, about eight points per game, four assists per game, uh, shot under 30% from three-point distance. But uh, as you heard from Daryl, uh, expects his sh shooting to continue to improve, felt like it improved over the course of that season. As long as there aren't mechanical issues with uh, their shot and, and looking at some of the what Melton was doing during his freshman season, I don't believe they are. And it's something that, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry to me is always the best example uh, a player who just was a miserable shooter. I don't mean a subpar shooter. I mean a miserable Lonzo Ball's first month of his NBA career caliber three-point shooter. A shot, it, you didn't cringe when he shot it. You took him out of the game for shooting it. And some of that happened prior to his Rockets career. But during his time in Houston, something he worked on, got better at it, got better at it, moved to Toronto, and became an excellent three-point shooter, an asset to his game was his three-point shooting. So to me, when, when the mechanics of the shot are there, uh, it's something that can be improved on. It's also, by the same token, very deflating as an NBA uh, fan, or in my case, a reporter watching players who you know can improve their shot, and then year after year after year, they don't. And at this day and age in the NBA, laughable for players to not put in the effort to make that happen. But Melton, much more development needed. Uh, both players should be on the Rockets' Summer League roster. First game for Summer League for the Rockets, July 6th. Uh, they actually play the first game of the Summer League in uh, Vegas. We'll have three games scheduled for the Summer League, definitive times and opponents. Then every team moves on into the postseason of the Vegas Summer League, and you're guaranteed two more games in the double elimination tournament. But potentially there could be uh, five, six, seven, eight games uh, if you advance and advance and continue to play. We'll, we'll probably get a little bit better idea of the Rockets Summer League roster uh, as uh, the next couple of days and, and weeks approach. There was also a report on draft night. The Rockets have inked Gary Clark, the player of the year in the American from the University of Cincinnati, uh, to a two-way contract. And one little piece of clarification, uh, if you're listening closely to what Daryl Morey said, he said he viewed Melton as a two-way player. 
That was not a reference to the contract they expect to sign with Melton, both Melton and Edwards. Not determined yet uh, the contractual agreement that these uh, sides will have, but he was referring to he's an offense-defense player. They expect him to be able to contribute on both ends, Uh, a player who's good in transition, can push the ball, uh, very good at finishing. Uh, Those are the things that they're hoping to see from Melton, and those are the things I think they'll be asking him to do in the summer league setting. I would expect he and Edwards to get a whole host of court time there. I mentioned I had a chance to catch up with uh, former Rockets head coach, current NBA analyst, and Team USA coach uh, Jeff Van Gundy. He and his Team USA group working out here in the city of Houston over the next couple of days trying to get ready for their upcoming qualifying games. A handful of those have already happened. A handful more will happen down the road as they attempt to qualify. I've not yet lost a game under Coach Van Gundy, and I certainly don't expect them to. He gets into a little bit about uh, the offseason, LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, their situations. Obviously, LeBron's situation where uh, it's a possibility that he could want to come to Houston, could be recruited to come to Houston. Asked him about how he thinks that fit uh, could work. Uh, the fit between uh, Harden and Paul was questioned almost uh, routinely in the days leading up to the season and all the weeks leading uh, out of the deal that was made. And obviously, it proved to be no issue at all. When good players want to play together, they usually uh, have an uh, an idea on how it is going to work. Uh, also talked about his admiration for what the Rockets do and what Daryl Morey does and how they are attempting to be the team no matter what anybody else has and the fact that they're so focused on the one team they know that, that so far they have not been able to beat the Golden State Warriors. Initially, my question was, as the postseason went on and you knew he was going to transition into being a coach again for Team USA while he was just finishing up Uh, his analyst work uh, through the NBA postseason for ESPN and ABC about flipping that switch uh, from analyst to coach. All the way through the finals, I was thinking more about Mexico and Cuba than Cleveland and Golden State. But you can do both. You have time to do both. And, um, you know, USA basketball has been so good to us as trying to provide a platform to win. I have all that I need as far as staff, film. It's, uh, It's but it's fun. It's fun to coach. Do you have some time to consider this NBA offseason and what might be happening? Yeah, sure. It's an exciting time for many teams. The draft is funny, though, because everybody has hope, and then we know that a lot of the guys don't pan out. But on draft night, you know, everybody got who they wanted, and that always cracks me up. And draft night is the last night before everything is now focused on free agency, the guy in Cleveland, and maybe some other guys. Sure. Uh, And... All those decisions have a huge impact on the league. And I think, you know, from the Rockets' standpoint, I'm such huge admirers of what Daryl's put together and how Mike coaches and the great players they have. They weren't one half away from getting to the finals. They were one half away from winning a championship. They're that close. And so, you know, when you're you're following a local team, you're always interested, could that be the move to help propel them over the top of someone like Golden State? I talked to Kelvin Sampson earlier today. He had that very same thought. You know, if they, were, if they win that series, they've won the finals. Also had the thought that with Daryl Morey, anything is possible. Do you share that same view? Yeah, I think uh, he's. I think the Rockets under Daryl, they're very deliberate. Um, they're tactical, but they're not afraid. They're not afraid to challenge a dynasty. I, I like how he talks about it. I like the moves he makes to try to get better and not just concede championships uh, to this great Warrior team. I think Daryl and their mentality is great for the league when so many of the league are always playing for five years down the line. 
and the idea that players are recruiting other players, that can be a pretty powerful thing? Yeah, if the money's the same. You know, once the money becomes unequal, you know, those friendships aren't quite as important. And with Golden State being as strong, you mentioned it, do you, do you like the idea of the, the Rockets feeling like maybe it is necessary to make themselves into a super team in that same fashion? Well, I think they have a super team. You know, I, I think the Rockets, as constructed, are a super team. Now, if they can do better and get better, um, that'd be great. But I could see them running it back the way they were, being the number one seed and taking their shot again. In the Kawhi Leonard situation, did that just strike you as one more thing to add to what could be a very busy offseason? Yeah, you know, the hard part for me is I never know, you know, when, when things are unsourced, I never know what's true and what's made up by people who have agendas, whether it's agents or other teams. So we'll see. Uh, one thing I do know about San Antonio, they won't be bullied and they won't be swayed by noise. What do you think about the idea that someone thinks they can create something great in L.A. with the Lakers this offseason? Well, you could. Like the Lakers, you know, if, if you get, first of all, if, if the great players decide to migrate there together, you can change your your fortunes right overnight. Whether that can actually happen or not will, will remains to be seen. And how much do they have to give up and who do they have to give up to try to, you know, try to get those free agents. So, so much is unknown, but it's exciting. And the lastly, we were talking about the Rockets and, and their determination, and that goes with the players too, the idea that these guys will find a way to make it work no matter what the roster is constructed as. You believe in that group that they can do that? I do. Now, the injury and health situations of certain players like Chris Paul, those are problematic, right? Um, but Harden's going to be an MVP-type player for many years. Capella is necessary. Um, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't lose people and think you're going to stay the same if you don't replace them with similar type of players. So I think they may shuffle the deck a little bit, but I think ultimately if you're building around Paul, Harden, Capella, Gordon, you got a good chance to be really good. And like Paul and Harden work so well together, let's say someone of very high quality was added from Cleveland. Same thing. They'd figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, it'd be, I'm not sure it'd be like a seamless fit, but guess what? You're going to try to make it work. Like, if you can go out and get greatness, you're going to get greatness. And trust, Mike is so good that you're going to trust that he would put it together. But a lot of it is not wouldn't be on the coaching staff. It would be on, just like Cardin and Paul, they wanted it to work. You, you'd have to have a group, if you're at another ball-dominant player, they would have to want it to work. You know, because without that sacrifice mentality, you know, that would be hard. But if they want it to work, anything can work. Beautiful. All right. As I mentioned uh, in my introduction to Coach Van Gunny, and certainly appreciate his time uh, earlier in the week and getting into some of these things that relates to the NBA and to the Houston Rockets. If great players want to work together and make it uh, happen, well, they're going to figure out a way to do it. Uh, it might not sound like a combination of ball-dominant trio of Chris Paul, James Harden, and LeBron James would be ideal, and maybe it wouldn't be ideal for each of them individually, but it sure seems like something that would work from a team concept. Uh, 60% of the guys on the court are Hall of Famers. Seems like a good idea 
uh, to try to put that together, especially when they're not uh, all three bigs that can't move, distribute the ball, or create. In fact, they're quite the opposite. All three can move, can distribute the ball, can create, uh, can make their team a whole lot better uh, than even the 65-win team they had. whole lot of other questions about the Rockets roster we'll get into over the next couple of days, and hopefully we'll have a chance to visit again uh, here on the On Second Thought podcast here brought to you by KPRC Channel 2. Adam Wexler here with you as per usual. I mentioned we had a third guest for today's podcast, Kelvin Sampson, head coach, University of Houston. Similar line of questions for him uh, that I had for Coach Van Gundy about the situation with LeBron becoming uh, potentially a free agent should he opt out. But obviously the opportunity for him to leave Cleveland is what everyone is discussing up until that uh, free agent timeline hits on July 1st, uh, the opportunity to play here in Houston. Uh, Here's Kelvin Sampson. That's going to be exciting, too. You know, having worked with Daryl Morey for three years, never say never on anything. Everything's in play with Daryl. And that means literally everything? Everything. Everything. You know, um, let's see, the Warriors have uh, KD, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Um, there's a number 23 that would look pretty good beside uh, Chris and James. And don't, don't ask, will it work? That, that's the people ask with James and uh, Chris work. Smart players will always work together. And uh, um, but you know the one thing you don't do when you had a gear like the Rockets is overreact. I'm not sure they need to add anything. You know, Chris Paul plays Game Seven. I think they would have won a championship. I really do. I think they're that close. You okay with the NBA kind of moving in that direction where two stars or three stars sometimes isn't even enough? Well, I still think that teams teams win. I think Kevin Durant's a great example of sacrificing to win. You know, um, you know, as good as the Warriors were, um, I, I don't know that they would have won these last two championships without Kevin Durant. You know, um, he would have got more shots, scored more points, still won a lot of games. But you can you can tell that the great players, when they get to a certain point in their career, stats don't matter anymore. Winning, winning is what's important, and that's and. and you know, focus in on why they're doing it. You know, they, they want to win. And I think that sends a great message to college, high school, younger players that winning is important. Interesting thought there from uh, the coach about how it sends a message to other players and younger players. Well, Kevin Durant's going to Golden State because he wants to win and knows he's going to have to sacrifice. That certainly sounds like uh, some analysis that would have been put on the Miami Heat when that trio was put together, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. Chris Bosh was not going to win a title in Toronto. He was the best player on a a good team, but not a great team for a number of years. His stats went down uh, from a total standpoint, uh, from being able to accumulate eye-popping numbers and then to shift down to merely all-star numbers with the Miami Heat. A clear third fiddle on a team with two future Hall of Famers going from Toronto to Miami, whereas in Toronto, he was clearly the number one fiddle. Kevin Durant, the number one fiddle in uh, Oklahoma City, even though he turned out he was playing with two future MVPs. We'll say that with some uh, definiteness on uh, definiteness. Great word. Coming up on June 25th, Monday of next week, when James Harden is officially named NBA MVP. And no, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, all signs point to Harden winning the MVP. Kevin Durant's Oklahoma City Thunder team did make the finals, and two of his teammates were Westbrook and Harden. Two future MVPs, obviously Durant now MVP and finals MVP. But that's what Kelvin Sampson thinks about the possibility of Houston uh, having a LeBron James play alongside uh, James Harden 
and Chris Paul. Uh, so, again, I gave you some of my thoughts about Vincent Edwards and uh, DeAnthony Melton going into the draft. It, it felt pretty – I felt pretty confident the Rockets were not going to even look into anything too serious about moving up in the draft. Uh, a couple of the other things that Maury had to say following the draft is they did obviously make calls, and there were some opportunities they thought might develop, maybe to move into the 21 to 25 range, but uh, kind of died down early on. Similarly, it was working on another deal that could have moved them up just a little bit. That didn't pan out, and, and it's not like they ever got to the point where they were seriously being discussed. They were able to make the one move, acquiring the pick from Utah, uh, the pick they ended up using on Vincent Edwards, a four-year player from Purdue. So that sets you up for post-draft for the Houston Rockets, the rest of the NBA. Uh, I don't honestly think it was all that eventful a night on the NBA front, even though we had multiple trades, several trades involving lottery players. Uh, Luka Doncic, uh, a player who was a little bit of a question mark merely because he wasn't in front of everybody's eyes all season long as either a high school player here in the States or a uh, one-and-done type uh, on the college level, but I think watching what he was able to do in EuroLeague play clearly intrigued the team enough to move from five to three. Uh, I do think the top five players in this draft had a chance to be awesome, each and every one of them. I think the pick of Mo Bamba for Orlando is spectacular. I think he has a very, very bright future. I think the more I've watched DeAndre Ayton, the more I've appreciated what everybody else said and why everybody was so convinced, Phoenix especially, that he should be the number one player overall. I'm a little bit more of a skeptic than most, but like I said, I think the more that I've seen him play and, and uh, put more work in kind of seeing the rest of his game beyond the physical capabilities, much more developed physically than most players are uh, coming into this draft, and that's obviously a huge part of what we'll see. We'll see how Jaron Jackson uh, pans out. Uh, I'm not real enthusiastic about his shooting form, Ball seemed to go in enough, but I think that's something we'll see change uh, in the future. Uh, I think that's something he'll have to change. And Marvin Bagley, I, I think going to uh, Sacramento, where they'll be heavily left-handed as he pairs with uh, De'Aaron Fox, I think that is a spectacular duo. I'm a huge Bagley advocate, especially on the offensive end, as we all know. Uh, the fact that he was able to hold his own this past offseason with NBA stars uh, in the Drew League, I think, to me, that put him on the map much more for me than anything he did at Duke and even anything he did in high school uh, leading up to that. I just think he's an offensive dynamo. I think he's going to be an all-around offensive stud, and uh, I think it's a spectacular move, potentially, for a Kings team that doesn't look like it's going anywhere. And I just wanted to close out with that last thought on LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers and NBA free agency. I believe that LeBron could end up in L.A., I believe a player like Paul George could go there with him. I almost believe the Spurs would be willing to trade Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers, even though that probably assures that LeBron and Leonard are playing together for many years to come, which is bad news for the Spurs and bad news for the West. None of those things happen if Lonzo Ball is still in a Lakers jersey. I'm fully convinced LeBron James will not play a second of his NBA career as a Laker if Lonzo Ball is his teammate. And I don't think it has much to do with Lonzo because I actually think LeBron appreciates his game. I, don't, I think, don't think it's even personal with he and Lonzo. I think it's something that at this stage of his career, he wants nothing to do with the drama that obviously is involved uh, with Lonzo uh, because of LeVar Ball. And I don't think it's a negative on Lonzo's career yet. And it has nothing to do with the, anything else with uh, LeVar away from the distractions. He clearly creates 
it's not even not even personal with LeVar, I don't think. I just personally don't think LeBron James is going to be playing basketball with Lonzo Ball at this stage of his NBA career when he's so clearly focused on trying to get it done and get it done immediately. Also, coming to the West just doesn't seem like the way to go for LeBron, who's been an Eastern Conference champion eight years in a row with a couple of different teams. That'll wrap up this edition of the On Second Thought podcast, NBA style, heading into free agency. I appreciate uh, Daryl Morey, Kelvin Sampson, Jeff Van Gundy lending their voices for you to enjoy here on the podcast. Also, don't forget, head on over to click2houston.com. Right there under the sports tab, you will see the On Second Thought podcast uh, link there. That'll allow you to head over to that page. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or Stitcher. RSS feeds available as well. Definitely encourage you to do that. Also encourage you to follow me on my Facebook page, uh, Adam Wexler, KPRC2. And, of course, via Twitter, at KPRC2AdamW. We'll talk again soon.